saw my baby walking with another man today. Well, I saw my baby walking. Cool and get her, 100 meters to go. Bella Nipatina wearing it down. Cool and get her a nip. Bella Nipatina's going to get close. Cool and get her. Has just won from Bella Nipatina. See you later, alligator. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks for checking out Year Round Carnival. Bit of alligator work there with alligator blood. Our audio, of course, courtesy of racing.com. The fantastic calling of Matt Hill, including Cool and Gatter Friday night. Fitz Carty from Daily Sexuals. Good morning, mate. Uh, fantastic morning, Rolfie. It's uh, just overcast and all good. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> right. Hey, we've got some good racing on the weekend. Finally got some clean ground at Melbourne and Sydney. Didn't at Mooney Valley. So we're going to look at the main races there. We'll go in reverse order. Firstly, Sandown. Well, look. It's not often participants and customers are just in one, but that was just fun to watch, and uh, the results turned out all right. How did Sandown play as far as your data says? Yeah, interesting, Ralphie. The track was in that genuine G3 range, with the exception between the 800 and the 600 metre mark. It was actually probably closer to S5, so a little bit of giving that section of the ground. So naturally slowing towards the turn. Yep, Absolutely. All right. Well, the, the star of the day was the Gator Alligator Rock. He was just uh, Alligator Blood, rather. What did I say? Alligator Rock for Alligator Blood. It was just fantastic. Let, let's read what we wrote about him in Sizzlers at, at Flemington because he was just picked off in a fantastic Maccabi, a small field. He had the lead, and I'm Thunderstruck launched and got him on the post. Alligator Blood, 1.7 lengths above benchmark, ranked second on the day, nearly pinched the group one mile here, but tapered significantly late, which was probably a combination of conditioning second up from just minus point three, uh, sorry, minus three at Caulfield a fortnight earlier when in traffic and being a better, drier galloper. That's the key, Vince. Minus 2.7 leading at the 800, slowed down in traffic with uh, minus 5.1 mid-race before minus 3.7 last 400. Last 200 in isolation was minus 2.7, showing the late taper. Now fully fit, is set to run to his best. His Stradbroke win 4.5 Eagle Farm, and that's now in his scope with suitable conditions. Vince, he got dry ground. Yeah, the horse got dry ground. The other interesting factor is that this particular runner clearly demonstrated a lot of previous starts earlier on in its campaign that it could be a genuine contender over the longer distances. It was just a matter of whether it could sort of bring that to the potential class that was on show on the the day. And as it turned out, Ralphie, when you really hone in on it and have a good close look, the... The clarity is really there. I mean, this horse has gone... Well, both those horses, Zaki and Alligator Blood, they've gone at good speed, as it turns out. I'm not saying breakneck, but it's genuine. Two and a half lengths above benchmark. You're not going slow. The biggest key is that Alligator Blood had the slowdown. 
between the eight and the four hundred of two point nine. It was all between the eight and the six. The horse dropped about two and a, two and a half lengths in momentum, and then picked up again, and actually probably peaked just inside the two hundred meters with maximum speed, and then tapered over the last two hundred meters of the length, which I felt was impacted by the slowdown. So a couple of things here. Firstly, watching it and. He leads all the way, and you go, oh, well, perfect right, Tim Clark. You've had a soft lead, and that made it too hard for the opposition. What you're saying here is he didn't have a soft lead. He wasn't going over the top, but he was going at a good pace. He was going at a good pace, no question about that, and it was beautiful in the end. Now, mind you, it could have cost him the race because that's not – Tim Clark has done this before, Ralphie, where he has a tendency to just anchor up. It's not, not the wisest thing to do. Now, he got away with it on the weekend because potentially a couple of the other horses, yes, it can be argued where they just a touch further back. I don't believe so from a data point of view, but he was lucky to get away with it because Zaki, who also suffered a slowdown, didn't cope as well and actually weakened further than alligator blood. And it's just probably the difference between the two horses in running in transit in the end. So fantastic stable here, Pot Waterhouse, my goodness, and, and they've got him so healthy and right. But I mentioned the 4.5 and the shred broke. Then let's have a look at this late taper. And, of course, if he gets his, Liz, you can be reading this with us with uh, Vince's uh, IVR data report. So he's lost a length over the last 200, plus point th- 3.6 overall time. Add the, add the point, uh, as, sorry, add that length that he lost late, and that's his 4.5. Yeah, there's no so question. That's his range now. He's definitely made that step up. And yep. is making a very clear signal that I don't see this horse having any challenges getting up 2,000 at the moment. Well, that, that, that's interesting in itself. So let's have a look at a couple of the others. What I'll, I'll, I'll bracket the um, the second and fourth, or, uh, sorry, the third and fourth here. Sorry, third and fifth. I'll get it right. Zaki and Mr. Brightside. How many times can we can we see this? That horses fail to elevate when they come off such slow tempo runs. So how much faster did Zaki have to go race to race from that Randwick bog heavy track, which was a leader's highway? Yeah, very evident there, Ralphie, going from 13 and a half lengths below benchmark <laughs> to two lengths above. And then, of course, you know, they had that extra little bit of time out as well. Yep. Another week doesn't help because, again, as you could see, even in that race there between the 8 and the 400, it was very little movement as well. So it wasn't going to be able to get that same... I guess, race hardness that you'd like to have. Definitely got it here. And the horse did perform, you know, really solidly, Ralphie. Plus two's good speed. Did have a bit of a slowdown between the eight and the 400. Nowhere near as dynamic as alligator bloods, more than a length less. And the finish was sound. And again, again, the horse did weaken over the last 200 metres, it could be a couple of reasons why that happened. So you've always said Doombin Cup was an explosion, but let's remove that because that's not him, plus nine. That's just a complete outlier that he just, whatever he did on the day, it was just an explosion. But since then, he's a four-and-a-half horse at best, and he rated two-and-a-half here. On Cox Plate Day, he's trending to, to meet that, yeah? That's where he's going to end up. Yep. He's going to end up hitting somewhere very close to – for maybe 4.5 at absolute best. Because the, the horse's trend on the first up run was definitely behind its previous three campaigns. And now this second up run, like you said, Ralphie, 
the big turnaround, the speed does have an impact. So we've got to allow a little bit for that. But ultimately, still, 2.5, that's that's now back on, on point where it needs to be. So when I say to you running a little bit behind, we may not get to that 4.5, but we're definitely going to get into the four range. And it's a pretty easy answer now, like where do you think it ends up? It also says <laughs> it's – well, you, you haven't changed your – I'm tipping it. You're not changing your thinking. He, that is a very rarely a Cox Plate winning figure. No, but then again, maybe is this going to be the weakest field we've seen in a Cox Plate for a while? Every chance. Mr. Brightside, before I get the Thunderstruck, because it's the same dynamic here, Vince. After it won at Mooney Valley, you know, the question was, did we learn anything? It was against five runners, four of which were first up or early in their prep, and they, they weren't ready. He was ready, but he walked in front before he won easily. Uh, again, this is a big turnaround in speed. Yeah, you can see there was clear flatness for this horse, and that was the big the big speed that really took it out of the horse and created the no finish zone. It was massive because this particular runner had the dual impact last start. Not only did it have to go through a savage first section, it was slowness, it was yeah, slow. slowness, right, yeah. and then big increase in speed of what seventeen and a half lengths mid race squeeze, <laughs> yeah, and then finish off with a plus three point two last four hundred. It's just unfortunate, but yes, the horse was flattened by that. Now, normally, a 0.7 below is okay if you if your first, your second up run was a lot closer to the first up run, it would have been fine. Yeah, but unfortunately, you could see the horse just had nothing there, and is no doubt going to be a leaper. And the thunder. So I'm thunderstruck. Initially, I thought, well, they're going, going slow and he's had to produce a massive mid-race squeeze. The eyes lied. The data now says that he's had to produce a mid-race squeeze, but it wasn't huge. But what's evident is when we compare to Flemington, where he didn't have to move in the mid-race. In fact, he couldn't move. He was stuck inside in traffic. Now he's had to produce a run. He has had to produce a run. Probably a couple of th- things that I noticed, Ralphie. The first one was obviously the rider was tagging Mr. Brightside. Might have lost the length there. In terms of, you know, really getting that momentum going, that was probably the only blemish I could see from a ride perspective. It's not a ride issue. It was more to do with he was trailing a horse that probably he, the rider would have been thinking was going to keep going in the straight, and it didn't. Yep. In terms of speed, like you said, though, Ralphie, 5.2 below, that's a, a comfortable speed for this horse. Really, it is. just took a long time to get going. Probably the negative is Mahungu went past it. Yeah. Mm. So there's got to be questions about 2000 compared to his dynamic mild range. It has to be. It just has to be. I know it was a heavy track when it had that crack at 2000 metres and we can't really glean everything into it because it was a savage squeeze as well that day in terms of going very slow, big move in the mid-race and then weakening. But I'd be very nervous. Like if you if you get into a cox plate and there's a lot of speed, well, it's not gonna it's not gonna be good for I'm thunderstruck because he's off the bit chasing. Yeah, he needs yep. a very particular race shape. All right, we're really proud of the work we do with our sizzlers, gentlemen. Roy Caulfield, twenty seventh of August. High pressure equals first up gas out equals more to come. This horse was a summer star, winning five v seven starts, peaking with two point four lengths above benchmark and open company Flemington after starting BM sixty four level Geelong. 
minus 0.8 at the 800, still can lead. He was overdoing it. Noting it would have seen him lead Memzi all the way, win a snap dancer by two lengths. It's so important, Vince. You, you learn things on the day. So this horse at Caulfield was running faster than they were in the Memzi in the Group 1. He gassed out late, which we explain later, as you did in Race Speed Profiles. Uh, on Saturday, perfect ride. Uh, sorry, sorry, Sunday, perfect ride. Jai McNeil up front. Yeah, and a great price too in the end, wasn't it, Robbie? Oh, absolutely. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were very scared to get near it. I'm, I couldn't see any reason why that was the case, but you're, you're right, Ralph. The performance was fantastic. What I loved about it, this particular run, nice, good speed, 0.9 above benchmark first section, absolutely in its comfort zone, but a nice improvement from first up to second up. Overall, last 400 metres, you could see the taper there, Ralphie. Even though it was 1.5 above, the horse lost around one length of conditioning over the very last 200 metres, and that gives a clear sign that there's more improvement to come. And I'm very confident that this horse is going to go to a new PB. So that, that's uh, that's uh, it's trending one way. Military expert, what did we learn off him? Uh, awesome at Mooney Valley on slow track. What did we, we learn on Saturday on the, on the firmer? Good performance, I thought, Ralphie. When we look at the speed, just marginally below benchmark. Travelling very well, didn't really lose any momentum between the 8 and the 400, so ridden to perfection, was able to maintain its speed. And then overall, last 400 metres, maybe, if, if anything, Ralphie, see, sometimes you've got to look at the, the track profile and whether it helps some horses or it doesn't. So you could see that drop and switching gears between the 6 and the 400, like there's a big acceleration there, and sometimes that can affect horses. And you can see what happened. When the horse produced that big acceleration, we had a little bit of a momentum slowdown and just couldn't recover to the same level in the end. I thought it was an honest performance. A little bit below the valley, maybe the track was the answer to that. And, and what are we learning with Pinstripes? He, he seems like he's a horse who's just better on softer ground because he can really accelerate when others are getting tired. Yeah, well, with Pinstripe, maybe not to the same extent as a couple of the other runners you've mentioned, but it did come off a very slow, uh, well, yeah. a slow pace first up, nine lengths below benchmark. He had, the runners had to pretty much improve its speed by six lengths. Now, it's not the same sort of class of horse, but still, it has an impact. And then you could see between the 8 and the 400, the horse has really tried to kick down. And fit, and I felt that it finished off really strongly. Just the challenge is it's a below overall benchmark performance and not much of an improvement from first up to second up overall, which still says you're travelling around that benchmark line. You know, there's no – I couldn't see anything in the numbers either, Ralphie, that said, okay, well, this horse is going to improve two, three lengths. Yeah, and and uh, I know you're not a smart aleck, but I just sometimes have to be. Dragon Leap didn't go faster with three and a half kilos less from the group one. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it an insane price, as in a dumb price? That, that, that was, that was, that's why Gentleman Roy got there at, at to such a good price. Sometimes they, uh, they, they, they just serve you up a little gift. Well, this is it. The hand, the whole methodology of handicapping, we've just got to know in this modern era, handicapping is necessary for the handicappers to do their job. <laughs> and that's it. Not yep. for the form students. Not at all. Last race. All right. This might be the rock stars here, even though the group one was earlier. I wish I win. So I want to set this up this way. 
I, I, I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think we've followed this horse through his whole career, Merton, because we put a big stamp on him Boxing Day 2020 when he uh, when he busted the clock at Caulfield at his second career start. I don't think with a fair fight, any horse has ever run past Erton. When he's been right on clean ground, no horse has run past him. Sec part two, before the race, Mick Price gets interviewed on racing.com. He said, Jamie Carr, you know, just tells tells him something just for a, for a laugh because she does whatever she wants to, like the best jockeys do. And he, he was being uh, laughing. He said, she expects him to sit 1-1 just to tell, tell me something. Well, she didn't sit 1-1. She sat a pair further back. Although, hang on, they're flying. So, Erton... Sits, sits a, pair, a pair further back and wish I win still manages to run past him. What have we got with these two horses? Yeah, well, probably on the it's funny how you said that, Ralphie, because initially I was probably a little bit disappointed just initially with Ayrton on the visuals, right? But yes, once you look at the numbers, then I, I, I wasn't disappointed for a few reasons. Number one, this I wish I wish, wow. Wow, what a horse, eh? Oof. We've um, we've got a real racehorse here. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I couldn't have been any more, you know, tougher in terms of the scoring and really pitched on the absolute bare minimum of 2.7. So that's Second a, best of the day. Yeah, and that's a clear elevation. And the only reason why I went 2.7, because I could have gone 3.3, Ralph, is the 1,300 metres. That's the only reason. Because the quirky distance. Yep. Because the the um, all the algorithms, all the different data points that you look at, was clearly showing that it's a three point three, three point six range. If yep. it was twelve or fourteen hundred meters. Yep. And Ayrton is a very good yardstick in terms of franking it, and so is a band Bandestruck. Bandersnatch, yep. yeah. Yeah, Bandersnatch. So they all sort of gave clarity. So here we are, 2.7. It's a soft 2.7. And yep. all I can say to you is look out. <laughs> so getting back to what I said about the speed in the race there, that uh, Jamie Carr wanted to be 1-1, said she was 1-2. Uh, these these great riders, they can just judge pace. How fast were they going early? Yeah, I'm well done for her for that instead of being silly and trying to be part of the front speed. Seven lengths above benchmark. You could see the two horses that went out and fought for it ended up <laughs> second last and third last. Yep. And then the next closest horse as well, which is, again, you know, just that length and a half behind. It's not quite lone leaders, those two, because you just probably wanted to be another half length further back so you don't have that energy drag. We're still 5.6. So I would say 10 out of 10 where Jamie had the horse. This is Ayrton to give it every chance. 3.4 above IVR benchmark. No doubt she would have been feeling pretty excited because that's absolutely comfort zone for this horse. But the extension in the middle, like they've really had to work between yeah. the eight and the 400. And yeah, that the winner was just too strong. Well, let's have a look. When, when it won the Victoria Handicap, two and a half lengths above benchmark, uh, 0.8 above and then plus 2.2 in the mid-race here. Yep. 3.4 above, then 4.2 in the mid-race. So he's just had to overextend just due to the ratio. That's it. And I I would also mark that there's no doubt the stable have this horse going as well as ever. I'm not saying half length better, but could be. All right. Well, with your race speed profiles and with my work as well on uh, on Sunday, the um, 
the theme of the day was it was it was a bit of a raffle early doors. It was ratings races, but it was quality late, and that's what we've we've really documented here. There was it was just good quality late in the day, and lots of winners going going forward out, out of this uh, this meeting for sure. Um, let, let's go to Rose Hill, mate. Uh, before we uh, look into the uh, into the um, Golden Rose in detail, how did uh, you feel Rose Hill play overall? Well. I was obviously expecting rain to come based yep. on the YR, and it, and it didn't come right to the, anywhere near to the same magnitude. And then when I look at the breakdown of the track, I love it when I can go down that first column on the helicopter view and, and see an overall figure that clearly demonstrates a length above. So we were G3, G4 all the way. Yep. Even between the all the way into inside the six hundred meters, there was a little bit of switching in the ground. Interesting, Ralphie, around that four hundred meter mark was the softest part of the track. And when I say the softest, we're probably on the worst side of G four or dead right. five in the old. Right. Let's go to our, our sizzlers and what we wrote about Jack and O because it was Melbourne form versus Sydney form, obviously on the day. Uh, Jack and O, the, the the price Kent Yard, they're just so switched on. They they had a target for this race, seven fifty and a six fifty on the day. They got the money just from the world back favourite in secret at Caulfield. We wrote showed glimpse of real talent as a two year old, and this first up run says significant improvement and more to come. One on debut, this track distance Boxing Day with just minus three point three overall, but an excellent one point eight last two hundred. Seventh best of the day. His blue diamond third was minus 0.7 below, meaning he's matched his best first up uh, over, a, which is another good sign. So, in other words, his PB, he matched it first up. So, that said, more to come. Uh, we said he's trending the right way upwards. <laughs> what did he do on Sunday? Well, there was a, at, at first, I was a bit shocked. Yep. There it is, 3.8. <laughs> and when you see such a big leap, yep. The instincts automatic says can't be right, you know, like overscoring. That that's just instincts kicking in. Because yep. one of the biggest things in this sport, and as, as professional form students that we are, is we don't want to overscore our horses because it can be a bad, bad outcome in future races when you because you're going to bet with too much confidence potentially, right? Yep. But I I went through it all, Ralphie, and. The, the 3.8 in the end is real with a slight caveat, and this is the caveat. I had to go back and watch this two, three times just to really make sure that I was in, in sync. Rose Hill, how the lanes play. One has to understand that 6 to 12 is the golden lanes, which is where the majority of horses come in. Now, this particular horse, when you look at it, just superficially and just look at the run, you say, well, this horse has defied the characteristics of the day. But the weird thing is this, the, when you get to lanes 18 and further, the track's actually faster than what it is 6 to 12. So it's the super, it's, it's super conveyor belt. And generally speaking, no one can get out there because the way the dynamics of the race shape is and the way they cart themselves into the, into the race from the turn, because if they're tracking a lot closer to the fence, you can't get out there without losing a couple of lengths, right? Then it would have been an unbelievable run, right? Like yep. These horses were all on the fence and that horse was out there. I probably This horse probably would end up with a plus four and a half, right? <laughs> but the reality is it was in lane 20, yep. 19, 20, 18 all the way up to the home to the finish line. So that does, and, and there's further evidence on how you can really, if you dive very deeply, you can really see this in with a with a lot of clarity. When you take Fireburn, for example, 
and you have a look at where it came. It came inside the lanes initially, but then it was in the lanes at the critical point. And the critical point for me about the lane bias needs to be always generally speaking with the exception like a track like Mooney Valley is you, you need to be in around the 250 mark or or maybe 300 but definitely once you get to the 250 mark you're in the lanes and this particular runner got into the lanes in the 6 to 12 actually had a savage hiccup as well in running where it lost the length and a half at a critical point and then couldn't get the full the full flow until very late and you have a look at the last 200 meters it was 3.2 versus 4.8 and Jackano had the golden run in the end absolutely you could not have been more efficient with energy this is perfect that doesn't mean there's not improvement it was just magnificently ridden on that day under those circumstances but you can see the difference it's a length and a half that's yeah. track bias it's not because Jackano's a length and a half better it's just not but the reality is the performance is the performance. It came from a, in what I felt was a good speed for this horse, 0.8 below benchmark. Had done that once before at that sort of speed over a shorter distance. So it was fantastic. There wasn't a lot of energy uh, distributed between the 8 and the 400. And it was all about, because what they're doing is they're continuously turning. And then the horse gets the opportunity to really show its straight line speed, which it demonstrated. And it was fantastic the way the horse finished off. And plenty of proof there within Secret in terms of its performance. Golden Mile, probably a little bit disappointing. Too much speed maybe in the first section. And the run of the race was Fireburn. All right, little uh, little insight there with uh, Fireburn for going forward. Um, Jack and O looks like it's going to take an Everest slot. So what I'll do for our members, Group 1 members bonus, uh, I'm going to look at deep dive into I Wish I Win, Jack and O, and the other three-year-olds in relation to the Caulfield Guineas with Vince. So we'll get a bit more insight there. So in secret, it was trained, trained for that race. That was its grand final, Vince. And basically, there's a head in it as it's probably it's probably the lanes that were either way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Look, this was a this was a fantastic performance. You couldn't fault it. Other than you know, it's there with speed, two point one going at a good speed. I would say pretty much where you want it to be, give or take a length, right? If yeah. you're a length further in, it's probably a little bit too much. But if, and if you're a length further out, it's probably perfect in terms of that energy distribution, particularly between the eight and the four hundred. But ultimately. The horse, if you look from the incremental splits, you just see one direction. It's all energy efficiency flowing in the correct way. And unfortunately, the horse just started to tie up towards the end of the race. All right. And um, uh, because we're getting deep into this pot, I might just round off with uh, with economics in race six. This is a heritage stakes. We often see that the, this is for the emerging three-year-old sprinters. Last year was home affairs before it went on to win the Coolmore and then later the Lightning. What have we got here from uh, from this horse? Because it looks seriously promising. Wow. What a, what a performance, Ralphie, for this particular <laughs> horse. And here it is. There it is. Fourth best of the day. Clearly superior, superior to the competition. Ended up with a plus two. First up, so Annabelle Nation should be obviously clapping hands big time. Uh, my only thing that I'm still learning about Annabelle Nation, she's obviously a, a sensational trainer with you know major potential as the years go on. I'm assuming, but just seems to be like uh, uh, 
she gets her horses maybe really forward and there might not be a lot left. I don't know, right? Yeah. It's just I don't have enough experience with her. But what we do know with uh, Annabelle Nisham is <laughs> when she gets them ready, they come out and perform superbly. And this plus two, if this if there's still more to come, then we've got an exciting horse. Absolutely, it's the fourth best of the day there, and really all the explosion was late in the race. Oh, and it was, and it was, and it was very explosive. And we've got to allow for the three and a half slowdown between the six and the four as well. Yes, the track was a little bit off, but still, that's probably about a length overreach compared to the the normalisation of the day. All right, and let's finish off with Mooney Valley. Well, uh, to use your phrase, Vince, we don't tell stories. Uh, the track was officially a slow five, a soft five at, uh, at the start of the meeting. They later uh, backtracked on that, made it a soft six. How did it play? Well, I don't understand what's happening here because usually it's pretty reliable, isn't it, yep. in terms of a race course. First section, 100% with the minus one2 Two six where we've got S five, uh, maybe we, 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 I'll just say S five, Ralphie. We'll probably G four S five to the six hundred. But then this this problem at the four hundred was a real issue. That was a hundred percent worse than S six, and you could see the drop off. If you compare it to the day, it was about a length and a half behind the rest of the course in terms of how the track played. So that for some reason that part of the track had real challenges. Yeah, and, and really, it became a two-lane highway. I mean, the yep. only outlier was Wolflands that was caught wide in the 9.55, just mess. Somebody else is getting knocked over. And uh, Daisy's uh, thanks to a debut late miracle. So what we'll do, we'll just look at the group one here, the Moyer. Um, uh, you reckon the Mar Eustace cap go all right in these big races? First, second, fourth, <laughs> out their horses, a bob of the head from the trifecta, and, and they came to play. So a couple of things. Let, let's uh, obviously start with the winner, Cool and Gatter and Jamie Carr's Beautiful uh, front-running ride. This is this. Looking at your data here, Vince, this is front-running perfection. Yeah, that one of the race. Yep. That decision to make that move and fantastic to see with that, Jamie. It was good to see that she wasn't scared to chance her arm because sometimes it can be very daunting to make those decisions, particularly here because there's no chance to breathe. Yeah. So you're either going all in and that can work for you or against you because it depends on how the horse wants to take off. But that demonstrates how highly skilled she is in still being able to keep allow this horse some capability of control in terms of not overextending. And the horse definitely didn't. But by the time it got to the last 200 metres, obviously the horse had done everything that it could and was entitled to weaken. And I, I couldn't fault the run. Plus 2.2, fantastic. Uh, big, big late tapeth, 19th best last 200 of the day. Flying home was Bella Nipatina that we put a big stamp on. I just want to focus on one thing here because every now and then there's a there's a little uh, – the, the, there's a change to the big team's thinking, to the way you look, you approach your racing pins. And you can listen back at what you said about Rothfire after his first up run. So you're not, we're not being a Monday expert, or in this case a Tuesday expert with Rothfire. Rothfire. You clearly said – be careful because this horse turned up very fit. He's had injury concerns. That might be his fresh run out the road. So the big teams avalanche this horse. $4 in the, in the $3. This was a big, big go considering it was a group one race with many chances. And they left it in the bag. Yeah, and the, and the, the, the reality is the horse did have every chance, Ralph. It was like, from a riding perspective, you can see it. Like, to maintain 0.8 below benchmark, that's a good speed. 
The shift between the 8 and the 400 was virtually zero. So again, the ride is like right on point. And then when you look at it, and this is the simplest way to do it, Ralphie, so there's no distortion in the thought process. You look at Coolangatta going a length faster. You look at the last 200 metres, Coolangatta's only lost 0.3 for going a length faster not only in the first section, but also in the second section. Now, when you add that energy, and this is the art of understanding energy distribution, that's two lengths. So what should have happened is for those runs to be normal and say we're on par, Coolangatta should have dropped five lengths in the last 200 metres and it didn't. Yeah. And Rothby, unfortunately, just continued to weaken. Well, if a horse misses 357 days, as it did post its injuries as a yep. three-year-old, and, and you, you get enough exposure, and then he turns up with the second best last 800, 600, and 200 of the day, that, that, that's fit. Where's the, where's the improvement going to fly from? Correct. So what will happen is there'll be a bit of a rebound off that run, yep. and we could probably see this horse trending back up to – this is the beauty for me, is that we, I now know with a bit of confidence that this horse can trend back up to that sort of 1.92 range, but we ain't going to be seeing fives. No, and a they? huge effort, huge effort by Rob Heath to get it back. He, I think he's, he's interview. he said he carries around a bit of bone chip in his pocket to, to tell him what actually the horse has gone through. But we, we have to treat this business like. Yeah, and he's, and, and you're right, Heathcote is definitely a, a, a phenomenal trainer. When, he, when he, he has good horses, he can target and he can get them right on the day. No questions about that. All right, well, preview podcast back this week. We're going to do Turnbull. We were going to do both. We're going to do Epsom and Turnbull. We still may do the Epsom, but what we don't do, we have, we don't ever dud our customers. Uh, we, we, we give it everything, and uh, sometimes we're right, and uh, sometimes we're not. But we always give it everything. We'll never put out something that we're not happy with. So at this stage, torrential rain predicted for Sydney. If, if somehow it misses on Thursday and the forecast clears up, we might change our mind. But we learned our lesson last autumn. We're not putting out stuff on things we're not confident about, Vince. That, that, that's been the biggest lesson, isn't it? It's so hard, Ralphie. It really is. It's not easy and because I like to bet with money and I'm, so, I'm sure others do as well. Yep. It's, it's a challenge and I've had clarity from the ATC, particularly on these tracks like Ramwick and Rosehill. If the rain comes during the day, it's, it's just so hard for them to keep the track together. It's not because the track can't handle the rain. It's just can't handle it on the day because it's been raining for months, months, months. Yeah. It hasn't had a chance to dry. So maybe boring. the week after, if it's the Everest and Caulfield Cup or some of or not the Everest and Caulfield Cup, but on those meetings, there will be days where we might do both, uh, Golden Eagle Day, Derby Day. But at this week, at this stage, we're definitely doing Turnbull Stakes Day, but Epsom Day, unlikely. So if you want to get the uh, the preview podcast, follow my website, racetrackralphie.com.au, including your opportunity to become a member. Now, our Group 1 member bonus this week, as I said, we're going to have a good look at the three-year-olds, a good look at I Wish I Win, and maybe a bit more clarity about uh, about the Cox Plate as well. So that's uh, that's a Group 1 member bonus. You, you don't have to do anything. We just email it to you directly because we are not here without our members because we don't have any corporate bookmaker support. We are independent and ad-free. We give you the best information we can via Vince Cardi's daily sectionals, and uh, thank you for listening to this week's Year-Round Carnival.